And another thing And another thing And another thing And another thing Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing the podcast that continues to set the bar in the world of podcasts. My name is Jody Jenkins. My name is Tony Clement. And we are absolutely thrilled to be back at it. And we've got a wonderful guest that we're going to get to shortly. Um, Tony, I was going to save this for later, but uh, I have a special guest uh, before we get to our actual guest. Oh. That, uh, well, let me back up here. I was just doing up some taxes and I had to do like an income statement for what we made off the uh, podcast last year. Yes. And I don't know if you were privy to these numbers, but I wanted to let our guest, sorry, I wanted to let another special guest tell us how much and tell our fans how much we made last year okay. off the podcast. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Go ahead, sir. $8,737,540,000. That's as, as much as uh, President Trump owes, I think, too. <laughs> It's, and you know what? I don't know if you knew this, but do you remember when Donald Trump said this? I will be <laughs> the greatest jobs president that God ever created. <laughs> because that's what God does. He creates jobs president. I, I don't remember that line, but that's that's just classic. I mean, that's that's something like you should, we should get T-shirts made. I will be the greatest jobs president that God ever created. <laughs> I wonder how many of those he's God has actually created. I I don't know. I uh, I think Donald knows though. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> he's number I, one. I I feel like I just want to play that for twenty minutes. I'd laugh. I'd laugh for the entire time. But uh, oh my anyway, word. we have uh, an exciting guest today. We're excited to uh, get to him shortly. Uh, we got to thank our sponsors, obviously, uh, John Mutton and the team at Municipal Solutions, being our presenting sponsor since day one. And uh, we are so appreciative of their support. And Tony, I know that you can expand on what John does. Yeah, uh, the Muttonator. Yes, absolutely, Jody. The Muttonator Municipal Solutions. They've done it again. I, you and I were just talking about how they got another MZO municipal zoning order for one of their clients. They are Ontario's leading MZO firm. So if you're in need of a development approval or need a permit that needs to be expedited, or if you have planning services, municipalities, or engineering services, or architectural services that need to be done, even minor variances and land severances, you go to the experts, municipalsolutions.ca, and John and the gang will help you out. We also want to thank our other uh, sponsor, Halton GR, Stephen Sparling and the gang at haltongr.com, your West GTA GR government relations firm. They specialize in sourcing land for development. They acquire the ideal land, and they're great at obtaining zoning permission permits and bylaw modifications. They keep the project going through the process, and they're putting together as well the financing for those projects. Their motto is, let's get this done and that's what they do at haltongr.com. And then finally, from my end, last but not the least, you can hear this and many other podcasts at Hunter's Bay Radio, 88.7 FM in Muskoka, 8.30 in the morning, every Saturday morning. Our podcast is repeated and they have other podcasts that go on as well. 
go to huntersbayradio.com. And you just did like your show there. What is it? The Rock and Shindig? Is that right? I did. Yeah. Last Saturday was The Rock and Shindig and it uh, went very well. And after you belittled me a couple weeks ago about being a George Jones fan, why don't you tell everyone uh, what what song, you, what's one of the songs you played? I did play show? a George Jones song. Thank you. Thank you. I did, jo- Jody. And uh, it was uh, the one that was not <laughs> the one that was not about alcohol. Yeah, it was root beer, you said, right? Root beer. He did a song about root beer, probably tongue-in-cheek, because as you probably know, he had a little bit of an alcohol problem. Uh, yes. But, uh, but uh, no, I played the song Root Beer from George Jones. So there you there go. You. Yes. Jody knew something that I didn't, but I caught up with Jody on that. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. I appreciate I appreciate the honesty in, uh, in you admitting that. Uh, we should also thank uh, the team at looneypolitics.com. For their support, don't forget you can become an annual subscriber simply by using the code PODCAST, and that'll get you 50% off your subscription, and you'll have access to uh, great news sources that uh, nobody else gets to see unless you're a subscriber. Find out more at looneypolitics.com. All right, might as well get to our guest now, and Tony, I know that you can introduce him. I'd be very happy to, Jody, and I want to welcome to And Another Thing podcast, Stan Cho, the Honorable Stan Cho. He is the member of Provincial Parliament for Willowdale Riding in Ontario. Uh, he is also the Associate Minister of Transportation, was first elected in 2018, born in Etobicoke. Uh, his family comes from South Korea. He had a degree from U of T and uh, took over the family real estate business. Uh, started out at, uh, I guess, was it a family convenience store, Stan, or was it somebody else's convenience store? When you started your employment there, well, the convenience store is where I grew up and did my homework. But it was the uh, family real estate brokerage when I was a little bit older. We took over. <laughs> so, uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing in government. You're part of obviously the Doug Ford government. Uh, you've got this role as associate minister of transportation. Uh, maybe tell a little bit about that. Start things off. Yeah, Tony, it's it's a lot going on. I mean, uh, not only are we fixing a big mess in so many other areas when it comes to transportation, we're filling a giant uh, transit and transportation gap left by successive uh, governments who simply just didn't invest into that uh, infrastructure. And, it, and that's crazy when you think about how many people are moving uh, to this province, to this country, and for great reason. It, it is the best country in the world, the best place to live. I really believe that. That's why my family came here, and that's why I'm proud to call this home. And, and we expect incredible growth, uh, you know, 300000 a year for, for the next decade in Ontario alone. I mean, let's think about that kind of a growth. That's the size of the city of Toronto coming here uh, in very short order, and, and, and they're not going to all live in Toronto. In fact, we see that and expect that growth uh, to be quite spread out throughout the province. And that means if you're not investing in transportation and transit, you are not being a responsible government and preparing for that future. So uh, we have uh, $87 billion that is going towards expanding uh, our, our road and highway networks, as well as improving those uh, those uh, crucial arteries for people to get uh, from point A to point B to keep goods moving. But we're also investing uh, $61 billion into transit expansion. This is the largest transit expansion plan 
in Canadian history. Now, we're not only building those networks, a spider web of transit, we're, we're also making it make uh, sense with payment options, more convenience. Can you believe? I mean, uh, Presto on our largest transit agency in, in the country, if you want to load funds online, it takes up to three business days for those funds to be reflected on your Presto card. Uh, we, we've all been down to busy stations when you, when you want to uh, load your Presto card and there's a big uh, line up at the uh, kiosks that, that makes no sense there should be other options to pay like using your credit card your debit card your smart device um you know those are the types of improvements we're, we're making uh, I'm, I'm really happy to be part of that it's because it's something i complained a lot about as well growing up and it's uh it's very meaningful to be able to take steps meaningful steps actual tangible steps shovels in the ground uh, to fix that uh, those problems that have existed for a long time yeah that's that's a great point and i you know uh, maybe people don't no, I, I actually grew up uh, in, well, close to Willowdale. It was called Don Mills at the time, but just across the road was Willowdale. And, uh, you know, it, it at least started out as a kind of a bedroom community for Toronto suburbs. I guess maybe it is considered more part of the city now, but still you have people who uh, live on leafy streets uh, in suburbia who still need to get to downtown Toronto. So your portfolio kind of matches not only what you grew up with, but also what people are concerned about now. Your, your constituency is probably telling you the exact same thing that, as, as what you're working on. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right, Tony. I mean, this is a, a neighborhood I grew up in. You you mentioned I was born in Etobicoke, but when I was uh, in grade four, we moved to North York. And that neighborhood I grew up in is the only community I can think of in this entire country, anywhere, in fact, where two subway lines uh, dead end in that neighborhood. You have the Young Line you know, ending at Finch, and then you have the Shepherd Line ending at Young Street. Um, uh, that's not, I mean, <laughs> we know that the city and, and people go way beyond uh, Finch Avenue, um, you know, beyond Steeles. And, and, and when you do go beyond Steeles, you have to transfer to a different transit agency because then you're in York region. Um, and, and that's the kind of ridership people don't really care about. No one cares what color bus you're getting onto. They just want to get to work. They just want to get home. They just want to spend time with their families. Um, and I've been hearing that uh, not just from constituents and when I got into politics, it's something that... I have bellyached myself uh, taking transit as a kid uh, for, for many, many years of my life. And, and, and that, that's uh, what is so meaningful about this kind of work in transportation is that you, you get to, I mean, not many people are blessed with the ability to be able to, to complain about something and then, and then do something uh, about it. And so, you know, I, I take that, um, you know, very, very seriously and personally, but it's, it's also very satisfying to be able to, to say, Hey, you know, I, when I'm old and on my rocking chair, I just can't wait till I can tell my grandkids, look, uh, your, your grandfather did this, and it's something I complained about. I think it's uh, it's uh, it's awesome. Well, as a former Minister of Transportation myself, I'm sure uh, you would agree with me that things were working perfectly well when I was uh, Ontario Minister of Transportation. You don't have to answer that question. But uh, at the same time, uh, it really, uh, I think there's two areas uh, where Doug Ford has to show success in order to be, uh, you know, successful in the next election, one is housing. Obviously, I want to. I, I certainly you want to talk about that. And the other is alleviating some of these transportation snafus because it just, you know, it 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 really hurts people's standard of living and and you know the, their quality of life. But so the two are really connected as well. And you must hear 
from your constituents as well on the housing issue. Is that right? You know, today, um, especially on the immigration front, we we find uh, ourselves in a whole uh, different situation. When I, I spoke earlier about the sheer numbers of people coming uh, to this province and to this country. But that's only going to exacerbate a housing crisis that has been there uh, for quite some time. I mean, it was the last government who themselves introduced the provincial growth plan in in 2006 uh, that predicted unprecedented growth in this province and then failed to invest uh, into the housing infrastructure, the transportation and transit infrastructure uh, to prepare for that growth. Um, And so in many ways, we are playing catch up. and, And really, that is difficult to do, but it is possible to do. And I believe that with bold action... Um, you can keep that dream of home ownership alive. And that's what this government's doing. I mean, to achieve the growth uh, of, of those homes, to build one and a half million homes, well, you can't just do the same things over and over again. In fact, when we formed office, um, we were at a housing deficit every single year of nearly 40,000 homes. Um, And that's adding on top of the population growth coming in. And it's no surprise that you saw affordability uh, get out of reach uh, for for especially for young people. And and, and that's been a major challenge. And it wasn't only the housing market to buy, it was the rental market. They were both seeing double digit gains across the board. So, you know, that spilled over from the 416 into the 905 and and over the green belt uh, into other areas. And we all saw that and it was only exacerbated by by the pandemic. Um, And so that's why we're investing in building homes. And when it comes uh, to, to thinking outside the box, that means well, let's take a good hard look at something like the Green Belt, which, by the way, has the, the most brilliantly political name, but has uh, pockets that are not green at all. I mean, it might as well have been the future potential land parcel or assembly uh, belt, because that's what it was. Uh, much of this land was next to or adjacent to serviced, uh, you know, uh, parcels that already had residential development on it. And why are we not looking at those pieces of land and saying, we can build 50,000 homes on that land, and at the same time, add 2,000 acres to actually green land. And that's exactly what we've done, adding 2,000 acres of environmentally sensitive land to the green belt while taking out the pieces that weren't green at all and building homes there. But it's not just to build the homes. It's also to make sure that people are connected to the grid, whether that's to hydro, also to transit and transportation networks. And that's why we're building highways. That's why we're investing into the largest transit expansion plan in in, in our country's history, uh, because it's not enough to build homes. You have to build the networks for people to get from home, to work, to school, to play. Um, and, And that's the bold type of action that we're taking in government. We certainly learned um, from the mistakes of, of the past, but we have to look forward to make sure that we're not just re- not repeating those mistakes, but preparing for the inevitable future where the population of the greater Golden Horseshoe alone in less than 30 years is going to be the population of Ontario today. 15 million uh, in that very small geographical area is what we're expecting. And and that's really uh, staggering when you think about it. It is 26% of the country's population inside of 0.3% of our land mass. And, you know, this is a government that's committed to that. uh, And we're going to make sure that we keep that dream of homeownership alive for Canadians, new and old alike. Yeah, you know, and that that raises a really good point, because uh, obviously, there's been some criticism of the Ford government on the Greenbelt initiative. Uh, By the way, the criticizers don't have a better plan than you. So, (laughs) you know, it's pretty rich that they're criticizing. And secondly, uh, you know, the, the I think you've been quite environmentally sensitive by adding to the green belt 
to make up for those aspects of the green belt or so-called green belt uh, that are being used for development. And uh, so uh, from my perspective, you know, we need new houses. We need to accommodate uh, uh, new people coming in and our sons and daughters who are, who right. You know, I have a son who can't afford a home right now, but he's doing everything right. He's got a job. His wife has a job. He's trying, he's, he's renting right now in Toronto, but uh, uh, there, there has to be more options for people like him. So uh, I don't know what sort of feedback you're getting, but that's, that's my reaction to the people who criticize the, the, uh, the Greenbelt plan. Yeah. And, and Tony, I'm, I'm experiencing a very similar thing. I mean, I, it's one thing to receive uh, an email uh, criticizing what this government's doing. It's another thing to get out to the doors and to speak to the people who you're actually trying to help. And, and I'm hearing that what you just said uh, throughout my entire neighborhood um, and across the province, which is simply that, you know, I want to afford a home. I'm a young person. I'm, I'm working. I'm, my, my, my partner's working. Uh, but we and, and our household is a $300,000 a year household, but we are stuck in the cycle of rent with no hope of homeownership. And I think for, for maybe your older listeners, uh, people who've been here for, you know, moved to this country or, or have been here for a long time. I think back to when when you were just starting out in the workforce. I mean, the dream of homeownership was a big driving force in, in your motivation and your goals. And I, I think that's very fair. I, I mean, I know when my parents came here, um, they started my well, my dad had no money at all. In fact, he started selling worms as fishing bait, then into a minimum wage job in a convenience store. But the reason my parents worked seven days a week, uh, you know, long hours and throughout holidays and, and weekends. Um, wasn't for the fun of it. it. It wasn't glorious work, but like many Canadians, it was to uh, save for a home. And and they couldn't do it right away, but the home uh, dream, ownership dream was possible. They went from renting a small apartment to renting a small home to eventually saving enough to to put down a down payment. And then then they were on the property ladder. And that's, that's what we're, this is about, is making sure that young people and future generations of Canadian can get on that ladder. And that's, that's a simple problem, really, when you look at the root of the problem uh, to fix, to address, and that is to match the supply to the demand. And for, well, for decades, uh, successive governments have failed at simply getting uh, that done. And, and that is, like we said earlier, it's got to take bold action. And the target is one and a half million homes to be built over the next decade, 150,000 homes every single year need to be built in order to address the current deficit. It is a big challenge. And that means that doing the same things again, don't work. And Tony, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the, the loudest crit- criticizers of this plan are the ones without a plan uh, themselves and simply address the symptoms that, that arise from a housing supply uh, demand deficit or imbalance. And, and we're going to do what's right. We're not going to do what's maybe not always popular for the critics, but it is the right thing to do for future generations of Canadians. So, Stan, let's uh, just talk about kind of your political milieu a little bit here. And, you know, just give us a sense of what it's like being in cabinet. Uh, you know, you don't obviously have to go into details on what has actually transpired. I get that. But just give us a sense of uh, of uh, of the, the kind of cabinet meetings, like what, uh, you know, uh, you know, how does Doug Ford, how does he manage a cabinet meeting, for example? And what, what sort of, how does the discussion go? Not, not the details, but you know, how does it, how does it flow? 
<laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, you're a senior cabinet minister who served in many posts, many more than me, and so you would know uh, better than I do that I wouldn't uh, give away cabinet details on a podcast for sure, so I won't, but, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's amazing. I, I pinch myself still uh, from time to time that I'm, I'm even able to sit at the cabinet table. Look, I'm, I'm the son of immigrants and, and, and poor immigrants at that who... You know, uh, really to, to have the honor of being able to serve, period, and then to say that, you know, uh, I get to be at that cabinet table. Well, it really is a dream, um, and, and I'm really proud of that. And, and you know, those, those conversations, uh, well, you know what, I'll tell you this, Tony. I'm glad I wasn't in cabinet during the height of the pandemic because I can't even imagine the difficult conversations and decisions that had to be made there. Uh, but I'm the luckiest guy in the world because at the cabinet table, you know, we get to discuss meaningful progress for this province and plan for the future. Because I think it's fair to say that, you know, any government, no matter how popular you are, for no matter how long you're in power, will eventually be out of power. Um, and we know that, um, you know, I know that. And that means that while you're here, you, you've got to do uh, what's right. And and that's exactly what these cabinet meetings are like. And what this premier is like is is it's not concerned with, with the loudest critics. It, it's very much concerned with uh, a responsible growth and preparation for the province, whether that's healthcare, uh, you know, investing into uh, changing the procurement process. Some of the changes that happen in government, well, they're not the sexiest things in the world that the news is going to pick up. But you know, just touch on procurement and and for a second. But you know, in this in this province for 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 decades, you you had a system where just as an example, let's say you're hurt. In, in Gravenhurst and uh, Gravenhurst EMS shows up and determines you need a, an IV um, and then says, you're really hurt. we got to fly you to Toronto General. Well, when Orange Air Ambulance gets there, they have to take out that perfectly good needle and put in a new IV, not because you need it, but because uh, Gravenhurst EMS and Orange Air Ambulance purchase from different suppliers. Uh, and when you get to Toronto General, you, you have to change the needle for a third time for the very same Reason that's uh, three times the cost to the taxpayer, um, but maybe more importantly, uh, discomfort and risk of infection for the patient. And and these are the types of changes you can make in government by changing things like procurement, um, whether it's housing, whether it's transit. You know, these are the decisions that are being made at that cabinet table to say, let's make government lean, let's make it efficient, let's make it make more sense, let's focus on outcomes for patients, for home uh, purchasers, for transit riders, for drivers, for commuters, for future Canadians. Um, and I'm proud that those are the types of decisions that are exactly being made. It's a lot of work, uh, a lot of details, but it's absolutely worth it. Jody Jenkins, I think we're uh, near the end of our interview. Is there anything you want to add uh, for Stan's benefit? I will be the greatest jobs president that God ever created. There we go. That's what you're up against, Stan. <laughs> That's a very was that a real uh, clip because that really was a great impression if it wasn't no it was a real clip apparently I uh, Jody's uh, found a whole cache of <laughs> clips on our our uh, Zencaster uh, platform here that we record our show on so he's having a little bit of fun but Stan uh, Cho thanks for being on our program we really appreciate it I know you you went the extra mile you're very busy with Lunar New Year celebrations going on throughout Ontario so to spend a little bit of time with us we we do in fact appreciate that it was an honor to be here tony you know i uh, i learned a lot from you look up to you very much and jody thanks for the time on this i can tell you that i, I was on and another things podcast this is a big day for me hi mom she's listening <laughs> there we go okay perfect excellent discussion with stan you can tell he certainly enjoys his job he does and you know he's 
he's an eager beaver, right? This is his first portfolio, and uh, he's he's very excited about it. If I'm being honest, I think he sounds like he likes it a little too much. He was very he was very excited about it. Yeah, <laughs> he was. Yeah, but uh, you know, it's uh, it's listen. Uh, he's talking about the issues everybody else is talking about, so that's that's got to count for something. I meant to ask too, like who would he consider himself cooler than David Pacini? Oh, well, we'll ask Pacini. Pacini might be coming on the program, so we'll ask him whether he thinks he's cooler than Stan Cho. David, who's cooler, (laughs) you or Stan Cho? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We want to. We want to know right now. It's uh, yeah. No, that was good. That was a good time. and, yeah, and uh, he's very yeah. busy with Lunar New Year, as I said. He's going. Oh, I mean, I, I saw him at two events already, and uh, he's uh, he's out and about. So uh, it's good of him to spend a little bit of time with us too. I should say too that we haven't uh, said hello to Mike Stiff in a long time. He's a proud listener of the program. I haven't talked to him in a while. Okay, but uh, usually I run into him at lunch. Sometimes we do coffee. But that that this me mentioning him will remind me that I should reach out to him. That's nice. But I know he listens to the podcast and it puts him to sleep. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But are we going to mention the other feedback you got or not? Which feedback about <laughs> about Jeff Beck? <laughs> oh no no no! I'm not I'm not giving that individual okay. any attention. Okay, good. They get they get nothing. Okay, fair enough. I, you know I get I get trolled online and that's it. You're cut off. You're cut off. You're cut off. Okay, that's it. Um, the other thing I was going to say too, is you were supposed to ask humble Howard about golfing Yes, in, uh, in our, my, my event. Yes, I did do that. And what happened? Uh, he, uh, is very interested. He, uh, humble Howard, uh, as you know, is a great broadcaster, uh, part of the humble and Fred, uh, network. And, uh, he's been podcasting for 12 years now. Uh, he also goes into a lot of golf tournaments, Jody. And so he, yeah. he has to check on. I think next month he's going to check on an, one of the tournaments he was invited to, whether it uh, it means that he can't do your tournament or whether he's free. So he'll he'll let us know. Well, I hope you told him like the, of all the tournaments, this is the tournament. I tried. I I gave him the whole email with all of the stuff happening, right. the the long drive, the concert, everything. It's amazing. And did in Tony for those that don't know, Tony's building like this super team. For our, our event, and you've already got. Yeah, are you allowed to mention one of your members or no? Yeah, I know. I think, uh, yeah, the, the uh, president of the treasury board, Prab Sarkaria, is part of my foursome. So that's boom. There you go. Boom. It's just going to grow. Yeah, that's it. It's going to grow in stature. So hopefully, that's humble right. and Fred can uh, round out my foursome. But if not, I'll I'll come up with uh, some other amazing names. <laughs> All right. Once again, thanks to John and the team at Municipal Solutions for their continued support. You can find them online at municipalsolutions.ca. Also, looneypolitics.com. Use the code podcast to get 50% off an annual subscription. And you won't be disappointed because you'll have access to content that you cannot get anywhere else. That's at looneypolitics.com. Dot com. And finally, HaltonGR.com. Steve Sparling and the gang are there for you. Let's get this done as their motto, HaltonGR.com. And what about your radio station? Oh, yes, and Hunters Bay Radio, 88.7 FM, HuntersBayRadio.com. You can hear this broadcast again Saturday mornings at 8.30 a.m. And I think I should wrap up by saying this. I am officially running... 
for president of the United States. <laughs> uh, All righty. We'll do that. this again in seven days. You betcha.